morning, and peace be with you. I'm going to direct you to the bulletin that is inserted in, or rather the announcement sheet that's inserted in the bulletin for you to peruse at your leisure, and just uh, to point to you to the 60-year birthday party we're having on November the 6th. There's also uh, many opportunities each week to come and fellowship and to hear God's word here at the church. So I invite you to uh, do that as well. The word of God, we know it's important just inherently. We, since we were little children, we heard it was important. We went to Sunday schools. We uh, memorized Bible verses. We uh, grew up and might have done things like Luther League, right? Or any of those different things, right? And uh, maybe we haven't taken time to ponder why it's so important, or maybe it needs to come out from the pulpit uh, every once in a while why it is so important. But um, it was brought to my mind and my attention this week as I reread a book, and it was uh, written by a young pastor, uh, Jeremy Fisk, and it's called Seven Rules, Seven Christian Rules that Every Christian Should Break as Often as Possible. Does that sound like something maybe you want to read? Like, holy cow, really? I thought all we're supposed to do is follow rules, right? It's good. And it really comes down to the bottom line of this, that God's Word means what it means, and that the world wants to twist it. The world, and I make joke of this, but I can do all things with a Bible verse taken out of context. Okay? We twist things to justify that which we do, or that which which we think, or that others think. We're going to hear that today. Ed's reading uh, James. And uh, we've got Isaiah, too, refers to that. And um, these are, his word matters. And that's why we keep it simple. And that's why I said to you long ago, and we'll say it over and over again, in addition to Christ and him crucified, we preach from the lectionary because that protects you against me. It protects you from me preaching to you what I think you need to hear. Because sometimes pastors and teachers go off the reservation, as it were, and start preaching from I think. I also told you, if you ever hear me say I think, you ought to run. doesn't matter what I think. It matters what God's Word says and is. Amen? All right, enough of the lecture. You're going to get some more of that. But welcome, everybody. Tim, let's get started. Thirty panteth for the water. 
Please stand if you're able. We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts 
of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who overhear their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. 
This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, our support and defense and every need continue to preserve your church in safety. Govern her by your goodness and bless her with your peace. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Peace be with you. Our first reading compares the obedient servant to majority of the people of Israel in the time, in that time. Uh, if you go to, you can follow along in your pew Bible on 1141, because I'll be reading Isaiah, one of my favorite books, chapter 50, verses 4 through 10. Isaiah 50, starting at verse 4, where I begin. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the world that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting because the Sovereign Lord helps me. I will not be disgraced. Therefore, have I set my face like a flint? And I know I will not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. 
It is the sovereign Lord who helps me, who will condemn me. They all, they will all wear out like a garment. The moths uh, will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his spirit? Let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord. Join me, please, uh, as we uh, read uh, responsibly Psalm 116 in your uh, bulletin. I'll be looking at Psalm 116 and reading verses 1 through 9, and we will do that responsibly. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy, because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as I lay, lay live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow, and I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. You, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Our next reading is from James, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, and it's called Taming the Tongue. I remember when I was young and living at home with my, my parents, and sometimes I would say things that I shouldn't say. I had to head to the bathroom and I got lava soap in my mouth for saying what I shouldn't be saying. The tongue can certainly get us all in trouble, can't it? All right. Number, verse three will start. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault and what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits in the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or, using taking ships as an example, although they're very large in many cases, they are driven by strong winds, but they are steered by a very small rudder. Wherever the pilot wants to go, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boats. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. Consider, excuse me, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. Mm -hmm. It corrupts the whole body, it sets the whole course of one's life on fire, 
I repeat that, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it is itself set on fire by hell. Think about that. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is as restless, evil, and full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings, who, by the way, have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. shall we go you have the words of eternal life hallelujah the holy gospel according to saint mark from the ninth chapter glory to you o lord our gospel reading is from St. Mark, chapter 9, verses 14 through 29, and can be found on page 1568 in the Pew Bible. Mark records, When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder, and they ran to greet him. What are you arguing about? With, or what are you arguing with them about, he asked. And the man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. And he foams at the mouth, and he gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion, and he fell to the ground, and he rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, 
How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into a fire or water to kill him. But if, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me to overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked and it convulsed him violently and came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many people said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and he lifted him to his feet and he stood up. And after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Today we're going to talk about sincerity and it seems uh, also appropriate to say um, if I'm sincere, if I try really, 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 really hard, can I stop from sinning? The answer is no. If I try really, 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 really hard, can I stop from my tongue being, stop my tongue from setting the world on fire? Probably not. So what am I to do? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Let's listen. In the next month or so, in October as has been ever since I can remember, and I think it's the early 60s when this came out, there will be a program that is run near Halloween, and it's called, it's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Has anyone ever heard of that? And we know that it's... Uh, centers on a, a little boy, Linus Van Pelt, I think is his last name, Van Pelt. And Linus is convinced, he's very sincere, that there is a certain entity called the Great Pumpkin. And the show focuses on Linus' faith 
in the great pumpkin. You see, Linus believes that every year on Halloween, the great pumpkin rises out of the pumpkin patch and he brings presents to boys and girls who are really, really sincere. And every year, Linus plants his pumpkin patch with the hope that this year will be the year that the great pumpkin will choose to rise out of his pumpkin patch. And Linus even works hard to make sure that even the pumpkins look sincere. And every year, Linus tries to maintain a vigil so that he can witness the great pumpkin rise out of the patch. He works diligently to become more and more sincere so that his pumpkin patch will be worthy of hosting the great pumpkin. Many people believe that it is not so important what you believe as long as you are sincere. Did you hear that? Some people think it's not important what you believe as long as you are sincere in your beliefs. They know that hypocrisy is wrong. So, conversely, if hypocrisy is wrong, they believe that sincerity, sincerity must be right. And in this age when people talk about going with what feels right in your gut or search your feelings to determine the truth or what's in your heart. In this age that says, if it feels right, do it, we often get the impression that the universe will work to make the right thing feel right. Or that the universe will somehow sense our beliefs and the universe will change to accommodate us. And one would think that the events of the last 20 years would work to change this attitude in society. Just yesterday, it was the 20th anniversary of the tragic destruction of the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center, as well as a wing of the Pentagon building, as well as a jet airliner going into the ground. And the misguided men who committed these horrible atrocities were some of the most sincere men on the face of the planet. They were absolutely convinced that they were doing 
their false God's will. They were absolutely convinced that they were fighting for a noble cause. They were very sincere, but they were sincerely wrong. They were followers of a completely evil ideology known as Islam. And yet, we still hear so many people urging us to trust our inner feelings. We hear so many people urging us to look into our inner being and find our own path. And there are even people who teach that Jesus had the power to do so many amazing things simply because he was truly one with his inner feelings. These people even maintain that anyone who could become one with the Christ, one with Christ's consciousness inside of them, could also do amazing things, the same amazing things that Jesus did. There are people that are teaching that. Now, in today's gospel, Jesus said, all things are possible for one who believes. And many people take a verse like this out of context. They actually believe that Jesus was telling us to believe in ourselves and all of our dreams will come true. They point to other verses, such as the time Jesus said in Matthew 17, verse 20, if you have faith, like a grain of mustard seed. You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And then these people say, all you need is a little faith in yourself, and then you will be successful. You will be happy. You'll be wealthy. You will be healthy, and so on. And today's gospel, it demonstrates the fallacy of that kind of thinking. Stay with me here. There are two, two different examples of misplaced faith in today's gospel. The first was the disciples. The disciples, the disciples should have known better. And there was another example in the father with the demon-possessed son. Let me unpack that for us. Jesus had taken Peter, James, and John up on the mountain to witness his transfiguration. Now, while Jesus and the boys were away, the remaining nine disciples were left behind with no adult supervision. And while the nine disciples were waiting for Jesus and the others to return, a father approached them. And he had a demon-possessed son, and he asked for Jesus. And the disciples most likely told the father that Jesus would be back later in the day and that they could take a look 
while they were waiting. Now, in the disciples' defense, they had exercised demons before. In Luke 10, we read that Jesus sent 72 disciples out to do mission work. And when they came back, in verse 17 of Luke 10, it informs us that the 72 returned with joy. They were excited. And they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And so they did have a little experience with demons. Even so, this demon wasn't having any of it. He wasn't leaving. And apparently their attempts to make it leave had attracted a crowd that included some scribes. And so now we have the situation at the beginning of today's gospel. It's what it's describing, that Jesus returned from the mountaintop with Peter and James and John, only to find the remaining nine disciples surrounded by people and arguing with the scribes. And Jesus took a little bit of time to sort out the situation, and he scolded the disciples. He said, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? And the disciples, well, they had fallen into a trap that is as old as the nation of Israel. What is that trap? Well, how often do we read in the Old Testament that God blessed the Israelites and the Israelites then began to believe that they were responsible for their own success? These nine disciples had a similar problem. The Holy Spirit had worked through them to expel many demons. They had grown complacent, and they began to rely on themselves. They had become careless. Stop for a second. At the end of that scripture, they asked Jesus, why didn't he come out? Do you remember what his answer was? These ones only come out through prayer. Do you think that these guys had forgotten to pray? I do. And so do we. Back on track. The object of their faith, these disciples, had switched from God back to themselves. They had come to the point that Jesus had to call them a faithless generation. Ouch. The Father shows a different kind of misplaced faith, the father of the demon-possessed son. He had placed his faith in many earthly cures, and he had been disappointed. When he asked for help, the disappointments of the past came through. And that's why he said to Jesus, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us, and help us. The world, the world had disappointed him so many times that his request, when he made it, he had no confidence. He expected disappointment once again. Now the evil threesome, the evil threesome of the devil, 
the world and our own sinful nature, they constantly try to make us like those nine disciples or like that father. They will tell us that we don't need to read God's word every day. Don't you believe it? They will tell us that we no longer need Sunday school now that we have been confirmed. Our tired body, they will tell us that it is way too hard to get to church before 9 a.m. so that we can worship, hear God's word with our brothers and sisters in the family of Christ. The forces of evil will do everything they can to separate us from God's word. They want us to become complacent. They want us to begin to rely on ourselves instead of God. And they seek to replace our faith with our faith in God with faith in ourselves or some other false spirituality. Now the cure for that complacency. The cure for that false spirituality lies in Jesus Christ. It lies in Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, the cross that takes away our sin and declares us holy in God's eyes. And just as he restored new life to the demon-possessed son in today's gospel, he also restores new life to us. Just as he drove the demon out of this young man, he drives sin out of us. Just like that demon-possessed kid, he drives the sin out of you and out of me. The comfort, the comfort of this gospel is that in spite of the fact that Jesus called the disciples faithless, because they were, in spite of the fact that the Father's faith was weak, and it was, if you can is what the Father said. And Jesus, despite all that, he still threw the demon out of the body of that boy. And at the sound of God's word, the demon had to leave. And the power of his healing depended on God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and not on our faith, and not on the faith of those who observed the miracle. It didn't. It didn't depend on their sincerity. And the evil men who flew those airplanes into those buildings 20 years ago, they had a tremendous faith. They were willing to die. They were willing to kill for their beliefs. And now they are with Muhammad, suffering in the eternal torment of hell. They were sincere. They were evil. And they were sincerely wrong. Now, on the other hand, we can bring the youngest infant to the waters of baptism where the Holy Spirit will start a faith 
that leads to eternal life with God. That infant does not even have the mental capacity to even know about faith. Yet, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that infant is a member of God's family. God says so. And the exorcism in today's gospel reminds us of baptism. When Jesus drove the demon out of the sun, our gospel says it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he's dead. And through baptism, we too die. We die a death. And that death is our old sinful nature. It's dead. And it drowns in the waters of baptism. And then, just as Jesus took the boy by the hand and lifted him up, baptism also gives us a new and holy nature. And God adopts us into his family, and we become brothers and sisters of Christ, and his father becomes our father. And we live with the sure and certain knowledge that we shall rise from death, even as Jesus himself rose from the dead. And we shall ascend, even as he ascended. And we shall live forever with him in righteousness and blessedness, forever. The Holy Spirit works to give us a faith that believes in God's grace, not in our own works. He calls us to believe in the one who is the way, to believe in the one who is the truth, to believe in the one who is the life. He calls us to believe in the one who drives out demons and gives us true life instead. And he calls us to believe in Jesus Christ. Faith in the world will fail. But faith in Jesus Christ will last forever and ever. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
Will you please stand if you're able? Let us confess together our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for all, the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Lord God, we believe, help our unbelief, sustain us through the many troubles and trials of this world. And when unclean spirits afflict us and those that we love revive our trust in you. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious Lord, knowing that those who teach in the church will be judged with greater strictness, bless the teachers of our schools and our colleges and seminaries. Preserve them faithful to your word, that they may not stumble in what they say. Lord, in your mercy. Lord and Father, tame our tongues so that they are not a restless evil full of deadly poison. Turn them by your spirit from cursing the people made in your likeness to instead blessing you. And keep us from stumbling in what we say. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, guard the tongues of our governing authorities that they may not stumble in what they say, but that they may speak wisely, leading in accord with your will. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, you have promised that all things are possible for one who believes. In such faith, we bring before you Carol, Randy, DeForest, Hank, Michael, Laurel, Paula, Eldred, Helen, and all others in need, asking you to grant them health and healing. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, your Son, who suffered unjustly for our sins and was vindicated in his resurrection, 
is near to us in his holy body and blood. Assure us that no one can contend against or declare guilty those who have been reconciled to God in Christ. Lord, in your mercy, and all those things and whatever else you know that we need, grant us, Father, for the sake of him who died and rose again and now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. Will you pray with me? Let us pray the offertory prayer on page three. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name, and we join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death 
his resurrection, and his glorious coming back again to a world that needs to hear that proclamation. Let us pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. This meal is life-giving. This meal is a means of grace. This meal is forgiveness of sins. This meal is salvation, eternity, forever in heaven with the Father for all who believe. This meal assures you and me of his promise, the promise that he witnessed to us in his resurrection, that nothing will take you from his hand. Not one believer shall be snatched from his hand. Not one. Come, the table is prepared.
Oh 
Let's just keep it simple. Not add to it. Not take away from it. Not think more of our participation than is needed. Let us just receive his grace through faith. Faith as a gift from the Holy Spirit that powers you and empowers me. Rest in his love. Now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You probably heard this one before. Our closing hymn is A Mighty Fortress. A mighty fortress is our guide A bulwark never failing Our helper he amid the flight Of mortal ills prevailing For still our ancient foe Doth seek to work us woe His craft and power are great And armed with cruel hate And on earth is not his Try and through.